Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily. And I'm Christy. We're just two gals in our 20s trying to live our best type 1 diabetic lives. Every week we tackle a new topic from the diabetic perspective. Although we offer tips, we are not medical professionals, but we also offer plenty of anecdotes and general thoughts about how to embrace the type 1 lifestyle on your own terms. It's not always easy to do through all of the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Diabetes Debunked. Because we're not sure if Mythbusters, if we're allowed to say that, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's basically busting myths uh, about type 1 diabetes. Um, Let's get started, Christy, on this beautiful Sunday. It is lovely. Gorgeous out. That's not a myth, that's a fact. Yeah, myth busted. Boom. Look out your window, people. But while you're listening, please. Also, it'll probably be dark out. Anyways, I digress. So first thing we said was we were not going to get distracted during this episode. (laughs) And I immediately just can't even focus. Okay, so our first thing on the agenda is to talk about alcohol and type 1 diabetes. Yeah, so I was telling Emily, it was always drilled into my brain from a pretty young age, I guess because I was diagnosed at 17. That feels really young to me, but that is about the time when most kids, not that I recommend this, it's illegal as heck, but, you know, <laughs> heading into your senior year of high school, I think that's when a lot of people start experimenting with alcohol. I was not one of those people at the time. I was an innocent. Especially today's youth. I know. I was an innocent little dove. Um, I did not drinking until, I did not start drinking until college. Me so, too, kind of. For the most part. Um, yes. <laughs> so it was drilled into my head pretty much from the get-go because they were like, oh my God, 17-year-old, we need to teach her the one rule about alcohol and all that was ever told to me was it brings your blood sugar down you have to eat everything uncovered for like the whole day if you think you're gonna have a drink like you cannot let yourself drop and it's just not as dire a situation as it was presented to me I was thinking about this for Christy that is that's true it affects everyone differently and the thing is it really depends on what alcohol you're having if you're and what you're eating. And what you're eating with it. There's just and time of day. And time of day. Your brunch bolus is going to be different than your evening beer bolus, if you will. Ooh. That can, we, can that be a thing? I just, bolus and beers. I just love alliteration. It really makes me happy. We're really into consonants, let's be honest. <laughs> it's true. But, like, I had several <laughs> beers last night. I didn't cover any of them. I did end up dropping overnight slowly, but I never went low and I did cover the food that I ate so and just to reiterate if you haven't listened to our first episode Christy's diagnosis story and just you know about us fabulous pancreatically challenged gals um Christy uses shots and not talking about the tequila kind talking about the syringe kind or I guess not syringes we use pen needles I do use like pen needles people. Um, not to shame anyone that uses syringes, but I digress. So she is not using a Dexcom either. So she is literally finger pricking. How often do you finger prick when you're drinking? 
when I'm drinking, um, before, in the middle, and at the end of the night. Because if I overcheck, I'm going to overanalyze, and if I see a spike, I might be tempted to try to correct down. And I just, I come down slowly over the course of the night, even after, like I said, after like several beers, I was like hovering around 250. I knew I was going to be fine because I had covered like what I'd eaten, but I just didn't take anything extra for the beer. And I was like 140 when I woke up this morning. So ideal, especially put like a night after drinking or morning after drinking. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, um, not to debunk, I think the, the myth that we're trying to debunk here is that there's a general rule. And I think a lot of people will find, especially with type 1 diabetes, that what works for someone else might not work for you and vice versa. And honestly, I mean, I when I drink, first of all, I don't drink beer because, like, I can't handle – I just can't – I'm sorry. I can't do the taste. Not a fan. Um, so for me, it's just empty calories. If I'm gagging while drinking it, what's the point? I live in I'm Alston, not- so if you don't drink PBR, you can't stay here. That's what and, Alston, Massachusetts, ladies and gents. And it rent is quite is the good, place. So. <laughs> rent is top notch. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear the sirens in the background. I am currently in Manhattan, sobbing, wishing I was paying the equivalent of an Alston rent. Anyways, <laughs> love my apartment, love Manhattan, staying on track, living my best life. Um, anyways, what I'm trying to say is I go low when I drink because what I drink is you know, like a hard cider or, which actually I do cover half of, um, because that is a lot of, you know, apple juice and stuff like that. But the fermentation process and the way your body actually absorbs the alcohol has to do with the way your body absorbs, your liver absorbs alcohol. And there's just so many components that actually make your blood sugar go down, which is something that I feel like a lot of non-diabetics don't necessarily understand because I've, constant questions I get by people that know me and know that I'm diabetic are, should you be drinking? Can you drink? And I'm like, I can live my life. I can live however I please. Thank you for your concern. Um, I say it less aggressively, usually. Um, But basically, yeah, Christy? I was going to say, it's kind of a perfect segue into our next concept, which is like, can type 1 diabetics eat sugar? Oh my God, this is something that... I'm sure anyone who's a diabetic and listening or anyone who is a family member of a diabetic and listening, people are so sick of hearing. Um, I mean, I can't speak for type twos and I know they have to watch, you know, their, their diet in a sense, but for us, we, that's never going to work. Like what we eat doesn't, we're not, our pancreas isn't going to magically start working again. Like what happened to us wasn't due to any form of you know, bad diet or lack of exercise, lack of like nutritional education or family history for most cases. It's literally just our pancreas, like that just doesn't work. So we can cover with insulin, right, Christy? Yeah, that's what I try to tell people all the time that for type twos, it's much more about what you eat as we're for type ones. We can eat whatever we want. We just have to know what's in it. Like that's what I tell people constantly. I can eat whatever I want. I, I'm so blessed to not have any allergies and I know for people with celiac there's a whole other layer there but at the end of the day I think that's what makes this whole thing tolerable for me is that I can still eat all of my favorite foods I mean I think for anyone diabetic or not ratios and you know having good food in your diet is important 
but it nightmares it, about ratios <laughs> <laughs> it just it drives me up a wall if I'm like going for dessert and someone's like oh that's amazing like you can eat that or like can you like yes yes I can I just have to take insulin for it like that's how this works if you could only see my eye not obviously Christy can see my eye roll right now because we FaceTime in because we love to see each other's faces but I I've you know not the most sympathetic anymore after people continue to say that to me I just roll my eyes and I'm like listen this insulin is replacing it's acting like your healthy body you know like your body's producing the same substance more or less and so I just have to inject myself with it whereas yours doesn't naturally so what you can eat I can eat as long as I'm on top of it and know the right proportions for insulin that is yeah which (laughs) Also, conveniently kind of brings us into our third point, which is people not understanding the difference between type 1 and type 2. It, there is such a difference in the two diseases. I think of them as completely separate. In fact, I wish that there were separate words for them, just so like that wouldn't be a question. But I think a lot of people assume from the get-go, if I tell them that I'm diabetic, they think I take pills. So the first time I like whip out my pen needles, they're like, "Yo, what's this? And, <laughs> what that?" And I'm like, "Yo, didn't we go over this? Like, <laughs> new friend who dis?" <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, also everyone has a different form of how they take care of themselves. So you know, you do pen needles. That's more obvious if you're whipping that out. Whereas, actually, I feel like that's. I always say these controversial things. It's not more or less obvious, but it's different. Like, if I move and you see my insulin pump, you're going to be like, what that? Like, new friend who dis. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just, I got to stop saying that. I'm an idiot. But I... You're not an idiot. The, I enjoy your humor. Oh, my God. Thanks, Illy. This is why we're Pinkers Pals for life. Um, I think that it's really important that everyone knows the difference between type 1 and type 2 because at the end of the day, that literally saves lives. Go listen to my diagnosis story back on episode 1. Um, it's your misdiagnosis story, truly. Let's be honest. that You're not wrong. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the treatment for the two are different. The reasoning behind them are different. Like, um, a big misconception is that type 1 is you can only get when you're a child, which Christy and I are living, breathing examples of how that's not true. Um, again, you know, it's just the the fact that type 1 is also called juvenile diabetes, I think is a big issue in today's society because juveniles are not the only ones getting it. And if you go to volunteer with JDRF, if you go to your endocrinologist and, you know, like, you grow into an adult even if you are diagnosed as a child is what another thing that baffles me that people don't seem to understand like you're an adult with type 1 diabetes like no you're right I'm like oh yeah my bad I I got rid of it once I hit 18 like you know like what (laughs) expired yeah or like uh, did you not expect me to make it like I just don't (laughs) understand I mean also I was diagnosed as an adult so again this is a moot point to me but I have friends you know who talk about that and I'm like, you're so right. Do people just expect it to go away or do they expect you? Like, I, I don't, don't understand the, and the I, thought process. I think as we get older as well, more and more people will assume it means type 2. I think this is probably like a 30 years down the line type of problem. But Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But... Or God forbid I put on weight. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm thinking. Like, wait, what am I, what am I saying here? 
But, I mean, I do think that people associate, at least I know I do, like, type 2 is an older person's problem because it does have to do with more of, like, a self-care regimen. And usually when you're young, you're just naturally doing things that stave off type 2. That's why kids typically, you know, don't have it. Or that's why there's an epidemic now with type 2 because, you know, like, ugh, TBT, First Lady Michelle, God bless you, her Get Moving campaign, I think that was the name of it or something like that, but helping combat childhood obesity because that leads to compl- like complications and the potential to develop type 2 diabetes, which once you have, once you're diagnosed with, is a lot harder to get rid of than fighting a pre-diagnosis. So... Again, that's, you know, completely separate from type 1. but We just love the Obamas. <laughs> I mean, like, who doesn't? Those Biden and Barack memes? <laughs> that's okay, exactly. you're not wrong. <laughs> Pretty much everyone who voted for Donald Trump, I'm assuming, but l- let's not go down that path because it's a beautiful day out. Yeah. <laughs> we're, I can't, we're not, I can't. We're not here for political myths. Literally the only shade of today is I, the thought of Donald Trump because it is so sunny out. Yeah, don't, don't cloud this day. Um, so we're attempting to stick to a list here. Can you tell how badly we want to just stay on topic this week? We're trying so hard not to go off on a random tangent. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. So, no, it's, it's usually my fault, to be honest. No, I like our style. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, but, but, you know, <laughs> see, look at us here. We go off on, like, a little political tangent, and now we back. we at point four, which, which is, is exercise. Exercise. Emily and I both, I feel like, have a lot of feelings about this because <laughs> it drives me nuts when, in the morning, it is my absolute best time to work out. I, It is so rare that I'm low in the morning, especially like post-breakfast and everything, I get my best workouts in because I don't drop immediately afterwards. But the same amount of exercise in like the late afternoons, which is the only time I can work out um, during the week because of class and work, I need such different carb ratios and I need to take care of that exercise so differently. So when you're originally being taught how to take care of your type 1, I feel like the rule is all you need is like 15 grams of carb, of uncovered carb, and then you can do all the workout you want. Like, that is absolutely not true. I need... (laughs) I wish that was true. I need way more than that, even in the morning when I'm very... Like, it's very rare that I have a low in the morning post-breakfast, but I need more than that. I would say I need an average of like... 30 to 40 uncovered. I actually, so this is a constant struggle between my doctors and I. Um, I don't know how well this is going to debunk that myth, but I need, like, I drop like it's hot. And even if, like, any form of exercise, even if I walk five blocks and forget to lower my, like, do a temp basal or lower my insulin, I will drop. And I'm just very sensitive to insulin, like very sensitive. And I will shoot up before, shoot up as in like my blood sugar numbers will go high before I work out. I do that on purpose. And then I'll do like really bad days. I'll do 20 minutes on the elliptical and then I'll literally see two arrows down on my Dexcom and I'll just be going down like crazy. And then an hour later, it'll be super high and it's just like a roller coaster and what works for me one day doesn't work for me the next and that's just basically 
the more I love type one, <laughs> as depressing as that is. But you just got to log this stuff, find a pattern that works, yeah. you know, be in tune with your body. Yeah, exercise is this, essentially, it's the same <laughs> thesis for all of these, though we broke them down into topics. But everything from, like, drinking alcohol to your diet to working out it's so individualized and I understand that especially when you're first diagnosed they have to give you your doctors and all of that um, some kind of sense of baseline rules that they see most often but it's kind of crazy how when we were diagnosed as adults I was so quickly to like get angry when, and I still am, honestly. Oh, me when, too. When, when things I was told to do a certain way... Don't work. Don't work. And I'm like, yo, the professionals told me to do it this way. And it doesn't work I, for me. I legitimately get angry. It's bad. And I know I shouldn't because obviously all of our healthcare providers are doing their best and seeing so many people. And I can't imagine having to keep track of all that. But that alone, like, it's just now I completely understand that what works for me one day is not necessarily going to work for, like it's basically russian roulette yeah <laughs> more or less like that's true and depending on what i had the night before like it's funny so i told you i had several beers last night um dropped naturally like nice and slowly overnight woke up at a good number but then i ended up spiking after my workout and i didn't have like i had a yogurt and an apple uncovered before I went, which is what I would have in the morning. Um, I would need something a little bit more substantial later on in the day. Um, but I was on the higher side after my workout, and I was just like, yep, that's like just the extra carbs of last night kind of coming back to me now, you know? Yeah. So I would, I mean, need, I would need to treat like my lunch today differently than I would on another day when my blood sugars are totally in check. Right. And I mean, if I do an extra 10 minutes exercising, that's the difference between me going super high in an hour and me going super low in an hour. Like, it's insane. Well, actually, exercising affects me really quickly, which, like you were saying, doesn't affect you really quickly, depending on... It doesn't in the morning, but it it absolutely does. As you know, from that day when I was texting you from... The damp oh, the stoop. stoop. The stoop. Stoop kids afraid to leave the stoop. I was so afraid to leave the stoop because my blood sugar was like 38. And this was when I had first started working out in like, let's call it the evening hours. I mean, it's not late at night, but I don't get to the gym until about four. And then I work out until like five, five thirty. And at that point, like I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted uncovered before. And I will still like I've needed a juice box after that workout every single time and even then I'll come home like I take the tea I'm certainly not walking home after that I'll have a juice box after I'm done with my workout come home shower and by the time I'm ready for dinner like an hour later I'm like in the low 80s like I would have gone low like I would have gone low again after I had oh sorry I just thought of something (laughs) what no you go ahead go ahead go ahead No, I don't even know what I was going to say, so you go, because you seem eager. I'm so sorry. No, I just realized something that I I wanted to bring up, so maybe point four and a half, is this is bizarre, but I go low after I take a shower. I've talked to people about it, and apparently it has to do with, like, the hot water. I don't know, but I legitimately drop about 40 or 50 points after I take a shower. It's insane. I think you need to lower your basal, because you seem... 
Like, I thought I was having a lot of lows, which I was for a while, but then I... No, you're having more than me. I lowered my Lantus. I went down a whole Uh, unit, and honestly, it's worked out really well for me. For the first couple of days after you adjust your basal, you'll see a little bit of a extremity in either direction. So if you start taking less, because of the pens that I have, I can't do half units. So that sucks. So, like, the first couple of days after I lower my Lantus... I'll see a couple of high numbers, but I just need to, like, push past those couple of days, not stress about it, and then I'll fall back into my usual pattern. You know, you just need to let your body get used to the lower doses and not overcorrect and whatnot. But I think you need to go down, because it seems like you drop super, super easily. Well, I've been actually pretty high lately, so to be determined. High on life. (laughs) <laughs> that's it faux show um but I I just drop super easy like super easy easily I don't know I'm just my body's so sensitive and it's not like I'm taking like insanely long showers yeah that, just, seem, that like, just seems like a lot to drop just because of a shower but maybe I just get really relaxed who knows <laughs> it just de-stresses you I was gonna say if someone tried to take away my hot showers I would be like listen I'll have a juice box in the shower if you want but I need, yeah, I need this right now. I need this. I need this, this is my de-stressing time. This is like my no time. one can talk to me in the shower. It's my time to belt Adele and just live my best life. So now you guys know what I do in the shower, which is belt Adele. There you go. Okay, number five, moving on. <laughs> and this might be my favorite one to get. And it's you might hear it and be like, what? People say that? But literally, people say people this ask, to us daily. Ready, Christy? Three, two, one. Does, Does it hurt? hurt? We didn't do that at the same time. We didn't do it at the same time at all. That was such a fail. Do you want to say You can say it by yourself now so they can actually understand. Okay. My bad, my bad. (laughs) People ask, you know, be like, oh, I'm diabetic. Does it hurt? Let me see. Does it hurt physically? Does it hurt emotionally? Does it hurt my soul that you just asked me a vague ass question about something like a a disease that I will have until they find a cure? Or does it hurt (laughs) that I'm friends with you? is constantly changing i assume i i try to give people the benefit of the doubt and i assume that they're asking does the injection hurt which to me i don't do injections though so for me when i I, people ask me that i'm like what like yes it all hurts i don't know what to say like no it doesn't feel good but i my reaction is always listen i don't have a choice this is, you know, what I got to do. So you, it hurt the first time I finger pricked. It hurt the first time I gave myself a shot. It hurt the first time I put my insulin pump in. But at the end of the day, whatever helps me live, you're going to realize hurts less. less than death. For sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Let's not go down that path. Yeah, I'm but. sorry. We've brought up like <laughs> some morbid stuff some morbid today. Things today that I was not expecting. Um, to answer this question, though, I'm going to say sometimes because there are times when I, I'll go to do an injection and I literally don't feel it. If I've been like really great with my vitamin E oil and you know, the needles, especially, I don't know, sharpened. (laughs) Um, there are times, (laughs) there are times when I can do the whole injection completely pain-free, feel great. Um, but then there are other times, and this happens to me more often when I'm doing my Lantus injections, because I do it at 6.30 a.m. every morning, so I guess I'm not paying as close attention, and I probably don't, like, pinch my skin properly. 
Cause Wait, no. do you do your Lantus every 12 hours? No, uh, once a day, just in the morning. But, you know, I'm, oh, I I'm, thought you were saying you do it at 6.30 p.m. Oh, no, 6.30 a.m. Uh, um, but because I'm tired and I can often go back to bed for another, like, half an hour or an hour, um, sometimes I do it, like, a little bit sloppily and I don't pinch my skin properly. No. And it hurts. Then that, do you bruise? Yes, that hurts. Yeah, that's why I told you. I swear by the vitamin E oil. Um, I've been super good about mixing up shot sites, and I told you I've started uh, testing via my right finger pads than the left, and actually, this is so sad, that hurts too, because I haven't done that pretty much ever in my diabetic life, yeah. so that skin, plus callus. I know, the skin on my right hand, it's like still so fresh, and I'm starting to see like tiny dots, they're not quite calluses, but like, so that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I thought that I was only going to have one, like, janky-looking hand, but apparently I'm destined for two. Yeah, it hurts It hurts emotionally when you have, you know, like, highs and lows, literal highs and lows. Um, it hurts, you know, if a site goes wrong, a site gets infected, if, you know, you do, if your finger prick accidentally on the wrong setting, if you do a shot wrong, or if you just do a shot that hurts sometimes. Like, I was getting hematomas every time I did a shot, which is why I switched over to insulin pumps um but again i blame my doctors back home for that so moving on we just want to blame doctors uh, for everything but they low-key keep us alive it's a really tough dynamic well no that was like mm, the doctor that misdiagnosed me oh yeah i'm not a fan of hers yet anyways no offense man but <laughs> like all for women in every shape and form being leaders but don't lead me in the wrong direction. Moving on. Emily wants to be Michelle Obama and good night. Oh my God. That's the dream. <laughs> Anyways, we hope that you've enjoyed this debunking of myths, if you will. I think um, it was sorry more, if it was a bit aggressive. I feel like it was more just our reactions to myth rather than like a debunk. Debunk. Yeah, you're not wrong. But we liked the sound of diabetic or diabetes debunking. So that's just the one we went with. And, you know, like, we don't hate it. Again, I love alliteration. I can't get enough this of it. This is real. This is us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, pals. Pancreas Pals, out. Have a great Sunday. Bye.